Hey guys, I'm Anand Chimpy from Anantech.com. I'm here with uh, the ever awesome Brian Klug. Hey uh, we are live from Barcelona. This is uh, Mobile World Congress 2014. We're at the Intel booth. Thank you guys for, uh, for helping us out with this. And this is the Anantech Mobile Show. Um, so we've been here for three-ish days now, and yeah. it's just been like an insane <laughs> three days. Uh, you know, we just finished up Galaxy S5 last night. Yep. Uh, we posted, not a lot of sleep. <laughs> no, not, it was like, for me, it was four hours of sleep over two days. You know, I didn't sleep on the flight over here, and and you know we were out doing. I don't even remember what we were doing. Yeah, it was I know. just like nonstop <laughs> meetings and press conferences. Um, but it's a good, it's a good sort of burn. It is. Yeah. It is a very good sort of burn. Um, so we got a lot of what we want to talk about. You know, I want to start. I, I, I definitely want to talk about Galaxy S5 because um, we we spent just a yeah. ton of and time on that. Yeah, we've seen the show and. Absolutely, but I, I want to start talking about some of the releases. And one of the things that was, you know, we were actually off camera, we were just talking about how this all unfolded. So Ryan Smith, our senior GPU editor, he was working on the Maxwell review, and then we get the most amazing email in the world from Imagination Technologies. And it's like, hey, you know, the backstory here is you need to understand all of the mobile IP vendors for the past four years, we meet with them. Right. They're not used to disclosing anything. And we meet with them and we want them to disclose the level of information that we get from Intel, NVIDIA, AMD. You know, we want deep dives on all their architecture so we can talk about it intelligently. Yes. And literally this freaks all of them out, right? Like their, their response is like, no, that's never going to happen, or we see no reason to do that. And, and having lived through doing this in the PC side like almost 20 years ago, I've heard all of these you know, answers before, and, and I know at the end of the day they're going to... Or the favorite is the competitor will respin in six months yeah. and somehow beat them. Yeah, and that's, that's always like a, a go-to argument is either, hey, we don't want people talking about specs and, and we want people focused on user experience, or we don't want to disclose so much that our competitors are just going to you know, improve their products as a result. Both are a farce. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's never going to happen in the six-month product window. Exactly. Both are a farce, but it's just far more convenient to kind of do that, right? So, Ryan's working on the Maxwell Review. We get this email from Imagination Technologies that's like, basically, hey, we know you've been asking for a deep dive on our architectures. We're ready to tell you anything you want to know about Series 6 and Series 6 XT. Um, are you interested? And I told Ryan he was in the middle of that. There was another NDA he was working on, and I was like, look, I know you're really busy. I'll help with whatever I can, but we have to do this. And you know, to his credit, he pulled it off, right? We, we published the first deep dive. Now, it's not as, as comprehensive as I would like. You know, there's still some areas of the GPU that we don't know. Um, but we, we understand the fundamental core of, of Imagination's latest GPUs, which I thought was really cool. It's a, it's a step in the right direction that we really don't have from anybody except for NVIDIA. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so very clear that the reason we got this is because of the amount of just PR than NVIDIA got. 192 cores. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, right? Because, you know, Imagination, the, the GX6650, it's a Series 6 XT part. It's a part that likely will end up in something iPad-like, maybe. Um, maybe. I mean, it, it, it sounds very much like, you know, the, the, the thing that you would include in, in something like that. Um, you know, and it also, if you count similarly to NVIDIA, it's also 192 core right. part. But if you look the at all the... is interesting. Yes. yes. But if you look at all the press that NVIDIA got versus the relatively little amount of press that Imagination got on, you know, a definitely a competing part, I, I right. totally get the motivation. Yes. Um, so a couple of things that I was surprised by was just the incredible amount of, of texture and, and you know pixel fill rate that 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 design has. Even even Ryan was caught off guard by it. Yeah. Um, he seemed it, caught off guard by the FP16 stuff as well. Yeah, so the FP16, so what's really interesting is if you look at, um, if you look at the PC side of GPUs, we transitioned away from partial precision right. you know, years ago, right? Everything is FP32, and now you, know, you have some like partial rate FP64 for people doing compute or what have you. 
but in mobile, Still a lot of FP16, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> and well, because it makes sense, yeah. right? Like, its power is very, yeah. very important. And, you know, we're now getting at the point where people are talking about doing compute on these devices. Yes. But for the most part, you're rendering, you're, like, you're playing Flappy Bird, right? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's uh, you don't need FP32 there. You don't need, you know, that level of precision. And if you, you know, so in, in, in PCs, typically the way you do it is you have an FP32 unit, right? So a 32-bit wide unit. And if you want to send FP16 data through that, that's fine. You only just switch the lower half of the bits, right? It's not necessarily the most power efficient way of doing yes. it, right? If you have dedicated FP16 units, um, they can be more efficient for FP16 workloads. And, and I think, yeah, you he was- turn on the bigger ones. Exactly, yeah. and, and he was very surprised by the fact that, you know, these flagship GPU architectures from Imagination have dedicated FP16 units, in addition to FP32. Right. Um, but I, I don't know, I would encourage you to read the article. It's, it's, uh, I think it's a great take and great explanation on not only just how GPUs work, but also gives you a lot of insight into imagination um, and, and their GPUs. Was there anything else that you were surprised by? Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting that uh, we called out all the GPU manufacturers and it would be great to get the same thing from all of them. Yeah. Uh, whether or not that will ever happen is another thing, but... Oh, um, I think it's absolutely, like, I think the absolute next step is, you know, you've got, like, Adreno's next on the list, right? right. It has to happen at this yeah. point. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I'd love it, but I mean, obviously the... The other players are just so closed, and um, there's a lot of obfuscation, more so than really anybody gets visibility into. Yes. And uh, I think ARM has done a good job. Like with the Molly, they've they've given out quite a bit already, and and I suspect that you know it'll be. Yeah, they're close. That's a good point. Yeah, sure. ARM deserves kudos. Yeah. Um, so I don't know it's it's exciting, uh, but yeah, that's a really good point. You know, we called out all of the GPU makers. But and it's it's a, it's like exactly the thing that we didn't like the most was the escalating core count. War and uh, yes. I loved Ryan's use of the phrase "creative accounting." Yes, because that's absolutely the case. Is that there's just been creative accounting for so long now, starting with you know like the X8 and even you know the way Qualcomm numbers cores even, um, but especially Nvidia as well. Yeah, and everybody's kind of got caught up in this escalating war, mm -hmm. and I guess finally the the fruits of that um, are this disclosure. Yes. Uh, which is just ironic to me because we've been fighting for it for you know like years, like yeah, every literally MWC, years. We ask for it, and then you know, oh, maybe we'll tell you eventually, or you know, indefinite NDA. Yeah, right. So, so you bring up an interesting <laughs> point. You know, you talk about escalating core counts um, earlier cores, this week. Yeah. yeah. So earlier this week, um, so at the end of last year, Qualcomm announced the Snapdragon 410, um, which is a vanilla ARM IP based. Um, SOC. It's a quad-core ARM Cortex-A53. Um, so that's a, uh, a two-wide, in-order microprocessor. And ARM views it as kind of the most you can get without going out of order. Um, and it's always like really interesting to me in that everyone tries to prolong the amount of time before they fall off that out-of-order cliff right. um, in, in mobile. Because you, know, you need to go out of order to get that, that hefty performance increase and, and really yeah. enable the, the next wave of growth. But, but any speculative execution is burning a power budget. Yeah, it's just burning through your power budget. So, but A53 exists, and, and Qualcomm leveraged it. You have this like you know, quad-core A53 part. And that's not unusual for Qualcomm, right? Like no. they've done vanilla RMIP stuff for the lower end markets where... They've done it long, for a long time, and I think the issue has always been, you know, there's not as much visibility into mid and low. Yes. Like, I'll just be honest. And you even see this in the comments. It's like, why, why do you only care about the, the flagship? Yeah. And, Obviously, the flagship I would say is the most important, but you know, mid and lower, where increasingly the volume is in a saturated And, and they're market. becoming better, right? So Moto yeah. G, I thought, was a great example of something that 
to me, but like that A5s, is... like Qualcomm used A5s even yeah. before A7s. But that that's like a surprise to people, or well, so yeah. So the first thing is, you know, it's it's not unusual for this to happen. Sure. Um, those lower end, or not lower end, but things that don't cost six hundred dollars, yeah. right? Those uh, performance <laughs> mass mainstream, <market>. mainstream <laughs> yeah. mass market, you know, low end value, all of those segments and phones, those are going to become really really important over the next couple of years. Here, I, I've been, uh, you know, this entire process, we've been going down and kind of explaining it through the guise of this is what happened in the PC industry. Yeah. And I feel like we're at the cusp of, if you remember when PCs started shipping below $1,000, right? I remember sure. sitting at IDF and, and Intel talking about the first $600 PC. Yes. And it was unfathomable to me to th that that would even happen. Yeah. And I feel like we're on the cusp of that in phones, where you know, these... Well, it's, when, it's when LTE goes mass market, essentially. Yes. Which, which is, you can make the case right now, or, yeah, or very soon. 8928. Absolutely. So obviously these areas start becoming more important. They announced the 410, quad-core A53, you know, leveraged Adreno graphics. Uh, the interesting thing is now we have a, a 600 series part that also leverages A53s. Right. 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 So we, they announced the 610 and 615. 610 takes four Cortex A53s and pairs it with an Adreno 405. So that's their DX11 uh, class GPU. Yes. 615 is the unique one because it takes eight Cortex A53s. Right. <laughs> and they are. Uh, there are two clusters of four. The lower end cluster is optimized for low power, lower frequency. The upper end cluster is optimized for higher power, higher performance, higher frequency. Uh, so in, in some cases, it's kind of like NVIDIA's four plus one, um, but you know, it's across eight. Yeah. And you can have all eight It's almost like a big little. It's, it's almost like a, like a big little. A smaller, no, I guess it would be like medium, smaller. <laughs> or just like little, little. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, because they're yeah. the same core size, yeah. but you're, you're toggling the frequency knob, right? Um, so what's interesting is you can have all eight operational at the same time. They're not talking frequencies, but my guess is, you know, the low power cores you're talking one four, one two, somewhere in that range, and then maybe the high performance ones one five ish, because this is all twenty eight nanometer LP. Um, so you still have Adreno four four oh five on the graphics side, but this plays into so acpuclock.c is going to be very interesting yeah. to look at and <laughs> how <this> they <laughs> how they elect to light up cores and in what order. Well, because that's the thing. Like I don't know of any consumer workloads that are going to. I mean, even on the desktop, eight cores is yeah. like eight threads is a lot, which is why I think they did this you know, low and high yeah. power cluster approach. You can use all eight if you'd like, right. and, and I don't doubt there, that there'll be some situations where maybe you, you light up five, six, right? Sure. But I, I think the real value there is when you need performance, you have four higher clocked, and when you don't need as much performance, you have four lower clocked. Yeah, or they're different, they're different areas too, perhaps. I mean, yeah. they've been optimized differently. Absolutely. But uh, I mean, it's just a blatant admission that in China, you can't sell something without the eight core, you know, yeah, thing on the box, and, essentially. And that's, I, you know, it's not my job to, to sell silicon globally. So, like, I, you know, I think from our perspective, we can be really, uh, you know, I mean, utopian I, about it. It's but, al but it's always been that way. Like, even there, they had a quad A5, and it was like, does a quad A5 make sense? Yeah. 8225Q. And then, you know, obviously we had a lot of A7s in some MediaTek parts, right? Yeah. So, it's just, it's just the writing on the wall for... You know, like what can you really sell? Yeah. In in what market? I mean, it's well, something so, that'll never come to the United States, or at least I doubt it. But. Well, I don't know. Like, I feel like it can definitely come to the U.S. Um, because one, A53s are pretty small. Sure. And you can no, still but I mean, leverage. Like the, you don't need to. You don't need a course to sell a phone here. Correct. Yeah, it's not. It's not a necessary requirement. But you know, just like what we were talking about earlier, that that core count race 
Uh, like it kind of started with Nvidia, but it 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 has sure. now completely taken over. Like it's it's and so even Intel ran into it, right? Like if you look at Merrifield, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Well, yeah, you can't sell a two core in a four core world. Yeah, and, and, and it's going to be hard to sell a four core in an eight core world. Well, so it's kind of crazy to me because I look at Merrifield. So Merrifield um, is is the uh, phone counterpart to Baytrail, which is what we got last year. Um, the big difference here is that it, it actually uses imagination graphics. Um, so Series 6, the, the G6400. So it's, it's actually the same core count as what's in the iPhone 5S and iPad Air, um, but it's, there, there's some slight differences in, in optimization. Um, so I, I look at that and those are high IPC cores, right? Yeah. I, all I want is two of those cores. Right. I don't actually need more. And you know, whenever I go into these meetings, and you know, you have OEMs saying, "Well, you know, hey, it's it's not four well, cores." Well, I mean, to be fair, you have four bay trail, four cores in bay trail versus two and other devices, and yeah. it's already there's a performance penalty there. Yeah, but so, it's the, the thing is that performance penalty is like entirely, it's IPC. It's yes. not threading. Yes. Right. No, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I'm just saying, um, going to going to two in the phone part. That's the that's the tenuous decision that. Yeah, no, we have it, to stick with now. It, I, I think it, it absolutely is the right direction. Um, but you know, the, the other announcement that came out is Morefield, which is the quad-core follow-on to this. Yes. And I feel like, I, I just hate that a lot of these companies are unfortunately like they're forced because of some markets to, to kind yeah. of to play that game. Um, I think they're both interesting, and I would definitely like a, a quad-core Morefield part. But I think Merrifield, I don't know. I mean, we saw the numbers that came yeah. out. It's, it's very competitive performance-wise. Um, I, I'm really interested in power because this is their first 22 the SOC. It's like it's competitive. It's competitive in a sense that you know those numbers exist now, but there's no devices, yes. right? But so it's really you have to look. You know, six to 12 months. Where is that going to be when you know, like the BSP is finished? Yes. When devices are actually shipping? Yes. And and that's the that's the the very tenuous you know. Well, cycle so that but I think what's interesting in. is when when Intel brought out Merrifield. Like if you look at Medfield, if you look at all of Intel's prior, uh, you know, attempts in the phone space, they've always they, come out and said, "Hey, <laughs> we're targeting the high end." But if you look right, at the the, yeah, the, the messaging yeah. around Merrifield, it's it's performance it's and mainstream. I would say, yeah. And I think that's really powerful, right? So, so one thing, you know, we see the struggle that everyone kind of had to react and do 64-bit, but. If you're shipping x86, you made that, you paid that penalty years ago, yeah, right? So right, you can, right. you can flip a switch. We're all 64-bit. Now we're just waiting on on Google. And if if Merrifield class performance is the new mainstream, like that's pretty good. Sure. Right. Like it's not. I, I would still love it's, to see. That's them. the thing, though. The timing. I think the thing to keep in mind has always been, there's never been a, a real criticism with you know like Intel's parts are yeah. this like an order of magnitude slower. Yeah. It's. They're they're great now, but you know when I finally get the device, yeah, six yeah. months down the road, the issue has always been design wins and the cadence of the design wins. Right. But I think that's been more of an issue because we were always viewing it like this needs to be the next great high end. Yes. But I think as as Merrifield is positioned as this is kind of for the masses and for sure. the bigger just, part of. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like AMD's sweet spot strategy and graphics from a couple years back, right? right? Where. Uh, you know, the rest of the world is focused on you know these kind of six hundred dollars GPUs, and, and AMD said, no, we're going to focus at one ninety nine and two ninety nine. Yeah. Um, I, the question is wh whether they're willing to to take the sort of margin that you really have to at the mid range. Like that's that's not where you can get away selling a thirty forty dollar yeah. SOC. So it's I I don't know. Like I look at Merrifield, and and to me, it's it's the type of thing where if it were available today in like a Nexus five or a Moto X or right. a, a, I mean that that's always been the case. Yeah. yeah I would say that's. 
That's absolutely the case. Is like, and and the same was the same the same was the case for you know um, the predecessors Medfield as well. And yeah, Medfield Plus. or what, Pen Penwell. What's interesting is we're seeing a lot of Clovertrail Plus use in China, in or even ASUS announced like right. a whole family of phones, like really cheap. The right. most expensive one was like two hundred dollars. Sure. And they're all based. And I have on, the phone pad too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're all based on you know kind of n minus one Intel Mobile Silicon. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like that that market becomes very interesting, um, especially if we're talking about like A53 class performance versus you know what was effectively going to be best of Intel, right? right. If, if that's the sort of comparison that we're going to start doing at those lower price points, that can make things very interesting. But like I said, like you said, it's we just need it in a design, right? It needs yeah, to and be that's always been the case. And I I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the problem is there, but that's I mean that's the case for Nvidia as well, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of players that kind of, they have something that's great, uh, they need to make it that last 20%, yeah. you know, 30%, have the engineering support in place. Yeah. Um, you know, like well, obviously QRDs, uh, everybody has a reference design, MediaTek does the same thing. Yeah. Where they essentially deliver, like here's a bill of materials. Some of them are even dual sourced, right? Yes. Um, put them together, put them in a box, because really the OEMs are parts assemblers to begin with. So <laughs> we just offended like every device. Yeah, well, maker I mean, they, they are. I mean, uh, it's, it's tacit admission that uh, a lot of them need a, yeah. you know, they need something that here, the software tree works. Here's all the drivers. Here's all the hals. Yeah. You know, and you guys focus on ID and, and yeah. all that. So what I do mean, you think uh, about this? It's not, yeah, I'm not being offensive. It's um, leverage what you're good at. Yeah. Like, so uh, what do you think about this? I've been arguing for, you know, we, we see a lot of these form factor reference designs, you know, Intel's, Qualcomm's, the QRD yeah. program. I kind of want to see Media that. MediaTek, even Broadcom have them now. Yeah, like, so I kind of want to see that top to bottom. Like, I want a yeah. high-end reference platform, a mainstream, sure. a value. Well, I think that the high-end gets a lot of focus from the OEMs to begin with. Yeah, um, but no one builds a reference platform for the high-end, right? Because they yeah, say that you people don't want to differentiate. You don't, but you don't I, need to, right? Yeah, now. but I, I, want, I want that, right? I want that same level of validation top to bottom. Um, well, see, so it, it's done. It's just nobody productizes a, exactly. nobody productizes a device like that because yeah. We're at a point now where it used to be whatever device is best kind of just has the best silicon, right? I mean, that yeah. was always my thing is like, yeah. what, what device has the best silicon? Because oftentimes that'll have, you know, like, like we've shown, a, a big impact on what is the overall performance of the device yeah. and the end user experience. Yeah. But now it's like, you know, it's just a matter of going out and buying it. And anybody can go out and buy it. The, the the thing that makes the device you know like favorable one versus the other is everything around the edges yes. like camera speakers obviously even industrial design and display obviously. and display yeah. yeah so it's it's really everything that's around the edge and you know at the high end they don't need they don't need all of this done for them because they're going to go out and cherry pick whatever they want but do you not think it. that you know all the stuff around the edges um, do you not think that at some point we'll hit the kind of optimal right like there's, it's, oh yeah, sure. It's I mean we're rapidly converging on whatever yeah. that is. Like the optimal display option, the optimal camera option, yeah. and when you get to that point, differentiation, for the sake of differentiation, will actually be a, a negative thing. Well, then it's a commoditized market. Yeah. It's a completely commoditized market at that point. So, so the other thing I want to talk about is obviously you know uh, last year at MWC, Intel had the big modem push, but this yes. year we have silicon, right? Yes. Like that's that's in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and you know there was even the the rumor that the one of the versions of the Galaxy S5 is going to leverage yes. you know XMM seventy two sixty, and this is all stuff that seventy one sixty I'm sure. Yo, you think it'll be seventy? Yeah, I, right. I it's too early for seventy two sixty. That's true. Um, so seventy one sixty and seventy two sixty, you went a roll this last year. 
That's what I mean. It's it's ironic to me because none of it was news. Yeah. Um, from my point of view, because uh, but we most people aren't exposed to like. Well, I mean, we published about it. I mean, yeah. I, I would say all the seventy two sixty details we had in August of last year. Yeah, because that's when Intel did their kind of modem workshop. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess now we have silicon that wasn't you know sort of engineering sample level. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's one of those you know like I want to wait and see. I want to see power numbers. I want to see yeah. you know device wins. Um, I want to see the industry validation. Um, I think it's. I think this is the year when, you know, LTE gets commoditized. Like, interesting. You know, Qualcomm loses number one status as well, I no, mean exclusive status. Yes. Um, yeah, because they're at like have, a ninety plus percent market share right now, right? Like, yeah. Every well, and already it, depending on what operator you're on and what the operator is certified, it's already possible to ship LTE only SKUs. Yeah. You have players who don't have to pay the three G. Tax essentially. Yeah. Um, Do, the, no one the, ships the, LTE the, only the, in the U.S. though, right now. Yes. No. People. Yeah. People really? are shipping LTE only in the U.S. What's right the, now. Do you know of a like what's we've, an example? We've covered of, that news, uh, you know, like uh, at CES. No, but what's an example of a device that's shipping today that's LTE only? The there was a Galaxy camera, and then there's oh, the, no, 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 there's no, a but, tablet. But nothing on the phone side. No phone stuff. You still need voice. Yeah. Uh, but that is that's coming. I would say in 2014 is. So you uh, think in 2014 voice. we'll see LTE voice? But will you see LTE voice with no other options? Yeah. Or yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. In 2014? Yeah. Late late 2014. Maybe 2015. And likely Verizon it, skews. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Verizon's the main player. They want to get rid of 3G. Yeah. I mean, uh, and they need to. Um, but yes, I mean, if, and and the LTE patent pool is more spread out, so yeah. it, it becomes. You need to pay less of a tax, essentially. Yeah. And and you'll see Broadcom. You'll see you know uh, even Nvidia. Mm -hmm. You'll see obviously Intel. Um, you know I mean name, go down the laundry list of who has I mean MediaTek has LTE too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so er like everybody will have it, and and that's that's the the key differentiator I think for this year will be like and it goes mainstream. Also, and that'll also help kind of drive smartphone ASPs down. Exactly. Yeah. Very uh, very much so. So obviously the big news, Galaxy S5. Um, we were at the announcement last night. We got to play around with the thing yeah. for like a really long time. I was so tired. We stood it. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's you know, you don't want to cover that part of the event, but it's it, it does factor in you know, like how awake you are when yes. you finally get you know to touch whatever it is. Well, because you got in line at the venue at 6 p.m. Yeah, right? yeah. Doors the, the, open at 6:30. Yeah. Doors open at 6:30, and like there's just this. You always and describe it's like it. Eight. Eight yeah. is when it starts. And you yeah. just always describe it as like an amorphous blob of people. I've yet, I've yet to be in an event where there's like an orderly line. Yeah, no, no, there's it's never an orderly line. <laughs> it's, uh, so if you want, if if you want to play with the the whatever, you have to you have to play that game. Yeah. <laughs> so we played the game. I, I thought their presentation was uh, definitely more polished and, and mature than than any of the previous launches. Sure. Right. Like they were a lot more focused. Um, there was a lot less. I mean, there was no spectacle, right? It was just some of the orchestra. If you're like, <laughs> yeah, there was the orchestra. But the orchestra was least tasteful. You yes, know, like, it was yeah. tastefully done, um, and and everything else was. I, I don't know. I thought it was a. It was definitely a grown-up Samsung. Um, so they sure. announced the device. The device is a 5.1 inch 1080p Super mm -hmm. AMOLED still. So r roughly similar display size to yes. Galaxy S4. Um, they only announced, at the, at least at the event, they announced the Snapdragon 801 implementation, so MSM yeah. 8974AC. 
Uh, it's up to 2.5 gigahertz on the CPU. It's everything everybody said it would be. Exactly. I mean, uh, you could have guessed the specs. I mean, and, and, and we did. Yeah, but well, now so everyone initially there was some kind of divergent theories, right? People thought they were going to do a 1440p display. They thought they were going to do. Well, I mean, some of that has yet to be seen. Yes. This was episode one, which I thought was the most telling part of the Absolutely. whole. Absolutely. Like event. you, and you called that out. I actually didn't even notice it. If you look at the title of the event, you know, it's Samsung Impact 2014, episode one. Yeah. Which I mean, can't wait for episode two, three, and four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So what we got was was very much like a, a polished evolution of Galaxy S4. Um, so it's still a polycarbonate design. I, I thought, you know, so it's actually a little thicker and a little heavier than the previous gen. Which is which is kind of incredible on its own that, it that is, they were willing the, to regress on those. But so to me, it didn't actually feel, I preferred the way it felt to the, the Galaxy S4. See, I can never, I, I don't do hands-on feel impressions when it's cabled up. Like That's it's, true. There, I, I, and I, I, I don't, I, I don't think anybody can honestly give but me the, honest But the texture assessment. of it, you can at least feel the texture of it, right? Did you not yeah, feel like it's an improvement you know, I, over... I feel like they, they hyped it up like uh, this would be a completely different industrial design, yeah. right? Which, now, or do at you least that was the messaging. Or, or well, the press so hyped I, it up? I will say this. I will say it's, it's fascinating to me that you know, Samsung is kind of in the same position as Apple now, where yes. expectations wildly outrank what ends up shipping. Oh, absolutely. So you need to do expectation management. That's the reality. Yeah. And, and everybody does it. But I think Apple, I mean, uh, Samsung in this case, um, didn't really set it the right way. They kind of, they set a focus that would return, return to focus on fundamentals. Yeah. It would sort of like, it would be tasteful in a different sort of way. Yeah. And so I think it shocked people when they saw that, you know, like, hey, it looks the same. But it's it shouldn't shock people who are savvy and in this business. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it's a brand, like, that, that's the... And I think that was the most telling thing for me, that they clearly have a, a platform and a product now that sells incredibly well. And the last thing you want to do when you're in that space is just throw it all away and try and do something totally yeah, they, different. Yeah, they converged on a solution, so it's yeah. not surprising to see. But, but so I guess it's still, it's still shocking to me that it, it regressed in thickness. I, I will say that it, having a textured back is a lot better than the hyperglaze. Yes. Um, I don't know that it necessarily me, solves anything of what people were complaining about. Like that's one of the axes. Yes. Uh, but it's not the it's not the fundamental axis. I think, for whatever reason, now the the back material, specifically the battery door. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess the back the back cover has become sort of the the only the primary focal point of all industrial design criticism. Yes. Uh, whereas when. The reality is that there are other things like the chrome ring that yeah. you know it sort of screams. But it's, it's very Korea. clear that like HTC focuses on a lot of that stuff, right? If you look at how they brought the one to market and the one X, right? Yeah. They they were very very focused on that little tiny strip at the top and the tiny strip at the bottom because that's you walk into a store and, and that's what you're exposed to, right? Sure. You're never exposed to the back. Um, but I, I think the that's, tiny strip of the, being the antennas. Uh, yeah, yeah, like the you know the the speaker grill up top, the speaker grill oh, down sure. bottom, or the oh, grill down bottom. I mean, at least they have an overall story. It's like the only the only the big delta here is like the back cover material is different, yes. right? Um, I mean, so the, and the reality is that you, there are other you, things. That were you, you need neutral to or, or negative on the on the changes ID wise? You know, I'm fine with the changes ID yeah. wise. Yeah, you know, I don't want to sound negative about it because. There's nothing to be negative about. It is what it is. Yeah. No. And actually, uh, and it's I, not. Nor is it surprising, right? Yes. Like it should be. It should surprise nobody. Correct. But, um, you know, the device itself, eighty nine seventy four AC, mm -hmm. was an unknown entity. It was yeah. obviously they were going to go that way. Uh, camera is interesting. I think fa the phase detection pixels are. So explain that uh, to me. I didn't. I didn't actually. So they. They. You know. Obviously they. 
they introduced this. Yeah, you new... know, like there, there's Aptina sensors and the, there's a, um, a Nikon camera that have phase detection AF. So what what happens with phase detection AF? How is that different? So normally when you autofocus, uh, what it's you look at contrast search. differences, yeah. right? And and that's how you you determine yeah. that there's something in the scene. Yes. Now what do you do with with so and they have that AF mode. Yeah, but a they, different they type of pixel. Do... It essentially gives you you know like when you've converged to focus. Interesting. So yeah. it's a different type of pixel that, that essentially senses instead well, of for color, senses for focus. Yes. Yeah. Really. Essentially. Huh. And how does? Do you know how that works? Um. I. You know. I don't know what whether Samsung is using the same one as Aptina. Yeah. So I don't. I don't want to say. Well, so um, how does Aptina do it? Um. You know. I don't fully understand all of necessarily how it works. Yeah. Um. But there are various tricks you can play with 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 when things are finally in focus, stuff will cancel out. Interesting. You know. Or you know. You look and, at. And so the You have a thing that maybe gets aligned or. And so the, the implication here from the AF, uh, from what they said, was that they, they do both in tandem, um, or they choose opportunistically. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, again, I've, I've seen the device once, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and and uh, they're never going to tell you yeah. ever. Well, and, and they <laughs> promised um, industry-leading AF speed, like 0.3 seconds. Sure. We, we played with the devices. Do you agree with that? Is it, is it fast on the focusing? I guess so. Yeah, you know, I, I will say that the, the stabilization thing was kind of annoying. What do you um, mean? What does it do stabilization-wise? You know, when it, the, you click the camera, you click capture, and then it sort of waits for you to stabilize, and then it takes the picture. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in when I click capture, like it, it better capture. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I turned that off. But yeah. I, I think the bigger things are, you know, obviously they're using their own sensor this time. Yes. It, which and it's a 69 sensor. Yes, and that was my second one, that, that it's a 69 sensor. And bigger so, pixels than last gen, right? No, it's not bigger pixels. Oh, bigger I sensor. It's, yeah, it's a bigger sensor, it's still 1.1 micron. Gotcha. And uh, using their isocell thing. So like, in years past, it's always been to use a Sony sensor. Yes. Um, I think it's interesting this time around, they want to finally use one of their own sensors on their flagship. And, um, you know, it's 69 is curious because I don't know why, it seems to be a popular thing right now to, yeah. to leverage that just so that the preview is 16.9. Yes. Well, but that's preferable to you have a like a, a fake preview or like a, a viewfinder that's yeah. useless. Yeah, sure. But I mean, it's like I solved the problem by literally just chopping off the pixels this yeah. time. Right? So you like would Like the image is still a circle. Yeah. Now I just have a, a sensor that's, you know, like kind of a weird aspect ratio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's in true. In the middle of it. That's you know? true. So, that that part doesn't make any sense, but I mean, whatever. It, it is what it is. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not going to argue that it's it's bad, but it's just it's interesting because yeah. you've seen HTC do that. Yeah. Now Samsung does it. Um, you can make the case Nokia has always had it. Yeah. Um, and then so they also have um, two by two MIMO 80211 AC. But yeah, the combo that Broadcom literally announced the same day. Yeah. Um, um, and they also introduced like kind of this interesting like 866 feature. megabits now. Yeah, and they introduced this interesting feature called Download Booster. Yes. Right. So it, it basically lets you shotgun and download across Wi-Fi and LTE at the same time. Right. And you actually which is kind of cool. We yeah, I mean, it works. It, right. It works. So you you toggled Wi-Fi only, LTE only, and in both cases you were talking 10, 20-ish megabits. Yes. Uh, you just speed tested, of course, Brian. He speed tested it. Um, you enabled Download Booster, and you were getting 40 plus megabit. Right. Um, so it, it actually worked. Um, oh yeah, it definitely works. 
I'm sure that that's going to be a thing operators will love. Yeah. You can use up your mobile data while you're on Wi-Fi. So. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's also a dangerous thing for if you don't know what's going on, to just like yeah. leave it on all the time. Yeah, but I mean, it, it does work in those cases where you know you really want to get something fast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Or you know, it's it's essentially like carrier aggregation, but you know, like Wi-Fi and LTE. Yeah, across different radios. So I, I yes. think that's like that is true. You know, thinking outside of the box, like that's that's kind of cool. Um, it is a software feature, and that's the other big change with Galaxy S5, is uh, a matured version of TouchWiz. Um, yeah, which I, I'm surprised that they didn't choose to totally rebrand away from TouchWiz or well, did they, call did they it something else. Well, did they actually call else. it TouchWiz in the presentation? I, don't know, they, I saw the, I don't know what the, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. I mean, we heard the word glam yes. a lot. So maybe it's like <laughs> GlamWiz or TouchGlam. Yeah. But, uh, it's fun. It's it's very different, and yes. there are parts of it that don't look like Android at all. Well, so that you bring up an interesting point. You rebooted the device, and yes. on the splash screen, it's you know Samsung Galaxy S5 powered by Android. Yes, um, and I immediately and, said as opposed to powered by Tizen. Yes, or, because that's you know that's the evolution of uh, Mamo, Moblin, Migo. You know that that whole yeah. chain of open source OSs ended up under Samsung jurisdiction with with Tizen, um, and you know I we were looking through the settings screen, and the settings screen has all of the same things that you do with stock Android, but yes. it looks like Mego. Yeah, right? you know, I spend a lot of time on the setting screen because that kind of like, it has all the elements that normally define a visual style. Yeah. Like their toggles, um, of course, like what the list dropdown looks like. Yeah. You know, Samsung has been through many iterations of that, you know, with both the stock like long list and then tabs, and now it's kind of like a long list that's sort of paginated. Yes. And they have little icons. And that's kind of the visual style everywhere. That and the menu button is gone. The menu button is gone, and now yes. it's a multitasking button. So you have that. Google finally was able to get Samsung to kill that off. So yeah. now it's, it's action overflow. Um, with thoughts on the software UX? Like I, you know, I think it's better than uh, it's better than the years previous. Yeah, it's I, I think Touch so is. too. I, I like. I'm positive about it. Uh, it looks great. Gone is the. You know, Android 2.3 green, yes. which used to amazingly still be around. Yep. Um, I think the the font looks a lot better. Actually, Ian was saying the font looks like the Intel font. Oh, really? Like he was like, I think it's the same font. And I was <laughs> like, you know, I think it might, it might be. It looks really close. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, who knows? Uh, but yeah, the I mean, UI changes are kind of superficial. Yes. Um, in some cases, they're secondary to how the device actually works. Yeah. Um, but with, it's with I hate to give assessments based on you know I saw it for an hour. Yeah. And uh, here's here's the be all end all. Yeah. Uh, and and of course you know like I didn't get the opportunity to do it beforehand. Yeah. So I, I would say wait and see. But obviously you know again they they, they addressed you know probably the biggest criticism, which was, you know, it's the same thing over and over again on the UI side. Yeah. With very little evolution. I mean, to their credit, it's totally different now. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is they, you know, you look at the Galaxy S4 launch, very, very heavy on, hey, this is all the new software stuff we do, right? Yeah. You know, the eye scroll and all know, that. Uh, and, and, and the wave. And the waving thing. And you look at the Galaxy S5 launch, and it's far less of that. You know, all that stuff is like They have the heartbeat sensor though. Yeah, they yeah. do have the heartbeat sensor. There's that kind of stuff in there, but the messaging is a lot more polished, a lot more focused, yeah. and, and dramatically simplified compared to where they were. And, right. and so I think that, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that step. Yeah. No, no, me too. I mean, they did deliver on that part of it. There was, yeah. But I mean, the, the features that are, you know, immediately marketable are still there. Like yes. the fingerprint sensor, um, you know, obviously the, the heartbeat sensor as well. 
you know, all, all those sort of things you need to have now checked off. Yeah. Um, obviously, the heartbeat sensor is a new one. Yeah. But uh, and so that's hilarious. <laughs> we tried the heartbeat sensor, which is if you you flip it around, you got the rear camera, you got the flash, you have a, a basically effectively another camera. Yes. And a like an LED. Yes. Um, and you, you just hold your finger on there, don't press too hard, and it gives you you know a pulse reading. Yes. And so Brian goes up and puts his finger on there, and it's like. He had just gotten done doing like stair climbs for 30 minutes because, you know, you were, it was telling you you had like your heart rate was like 121 beats per minute, yeah. and we're literally just standing there. We've moved maybe like 15 feet. So either I was you were excited in... though, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's interesting that, that then it, it varied a little bit to like 90 and yes. then back up to 120. <laughs> and, um... and for me, it was always like around 80, 90 ish. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like. I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't have like a, I tried to take my pulse at the same time, but uh, I wasn't timing it. Yeah. Um, and and that's for me. It's it's interesting that that fitness is beginning to be a thing that that you know these folks are caring about. Um, but I, I don't necessarily know that that's what I'm looking for in a device. I, I just want the device to to basically act as a good pedometer, and that's it. Yeah, I want the heart sensor on my watch or something. Yes. Um, I don't necessarily want it on the phone. Yeah. But I mean, what it's cool that it's there. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, uh, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. why not? Um, <laughs> the fingerprint sensor is interesting, too. I mean, I found that it worked fine. I mean, I, I we programmed in a finger, yeah. um, read it back, no problem. The, the issue is that, you know, it's kind of, it's weird to do it because it's at the very bottom yeah. if you're just trying to do it one-handed. Yes. Um, I think Apple did a good job with that, right? The unlock and... It's in the and, right place, yeah. and you don't need to swipe your finger across it. Why do you think they opted for the swipe? Because they don't have a touch and hold or... Um, the button isn't big enough. You yeah, because I, I feel like you can, exactly, I feel like you can you can retain that chassis and, and you know, stick with that that dimension of home button. But in order yeah, to do that, you have to do the swipe. It seems like the same exact profile home button. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. Like, I, I felt, I agree with you, you know, the, the when I saw you do it and just gliding my finger over it, it, it yeah, seemed like fine. it was all right. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, you've been kind of vocal in the past about this. Are you glad to see them do that, or would you rather? I think it would be very telling to see what percentage of users actually use it. I would say the positioning is actually better on the HTC One Max. Really? Do you like use it on the 5S? It on the back, yeah, all the time. The so 5S. are you are you but, I mean, sold? It's like it's it's transparent there. You know, like it just you just use it. Yeah. Because why? Not? But are are you sold that if I took it away from you, you would no longer? No, I be... just put in my code. Do you? Would you be upset if I took it away from you? Probably, okay. yeah, because <laughs> I have it now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I will say when you know, like, try to use the 5C, that putting in the code is is immediately jarring. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I think I think obviously for for Android users that aren't used to it, there isn't that expectation yet. Yeah. And uh, but touch and hold that, is the way to go. I would say the One Max is still in a better place. Like, unless to for one-handed one hand, operation, you can at least do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there's no way you can one-hand it on S5. Yeah. You need you need two hands. Yeah. You know. But I, I feel like maybe it's low-hanging fruit, right? Folks who want it, checkbox feature, hey, we have yeah, it. And, exa and that's exactly It's what an it easy is. way to sell it in the store. Um, so Galaxy S5, it, it launches in uh, almost 150 countries on April 11th. Uh, hopefully in about a month we'll, we'll, you know. And they announced an Exynos version sort of today. Yes, yeah, they haven't provided details, but it's an octa-core version. 4 plus 4, you can guess it's A7 plus A15s. The A15 clock speed goes up to 2.1 gigahertz now, yep. which is like, yeah. I want that version even less now so than I did before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so we'll be talking to Samsung and hopefully get some uh, more details on what that SOC looks like. Um, 
we've got to go and cover the rest of the show now. Uh, I want to thank you guys for watching. I want to thank Intel and Intel Studios for, for filming this thing. Um, and, and definitely thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for checking out the site. We'll have MWC coverage throughout the rest of the week. Thank you.